We, at 7 o'clock in our news wrap today, spoke about the extraordinary development in the Kathleen Folvig case. The woman who for the last 20 years has been considered Australia's worst female serial killer walks free after a, an inquiry conducted by retired judge Tom Bathurst found there was in fact reasonable doubt when it came to the death of her four children between 1989 and 1999 that aged between 19 days and 19 months. Some extraordinary developments in science and genetic testing brought us here. But I actually think before we get to Jane Hansen, who hosts the Mother's Guilt podcast that's been looking at this entire case in depth it's worth going back because your point of reference on this is a good one you're working in newspapers in sydney david when this story broke and day after day after day it was on the front page it's been drawing comparisons to the lindy chamberlain case because of how it ended but but in part too because of how it started and the degree to which it captured the imagination of the entire country that's right and as we said earlier in 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 a similar way to lindy chamberlain being judged on the basis of her demeanor and manner, as opposed to the, the facts at hand, um, in the court of public opinion, she could, was regarded as as guilty as sin. Well, Jane Hansen um, is the host of the Mother's Guilt podcast, which you can um, listen to, follow uh, the, the whole story of Kathleen Folbig at the website mothersguilt.com.au. Jane, good morning, and thank you so much for your time. What well, do you welcome. make of the, the Lindy Chamberlain comparison? Because being in Sydney as I was at the time in 2005 six. It was just relentless, the coverage. Well, the parallels are because of the way that Kathleen Folbig presented. She came across as, you know, not what you'd expect of a grieving mother, as did Lindy Chamberlain. So people judged her on that. And, and you know, in the court of public, you know, in the court of public opinion, she was guilty just on the fact that she didn't, you know, she wasn't absolutely thrashing with, with grief. Um, she She was just stoic and disassociated in a way and much was made of that in the media and I think that worked against her but what happened in this particular inquiry uh, which was the second inquiry is that psychological evidence was actually given that this is the way that she presented because of the trauma that she suffered in in her early life like her father uh, murdered her own mother when she was only 18 months old and she, then she was sexually abused, presumably by him, and then she was bounced around between children's homes before finding a foster home at age three. That sort of early trauma before your preverbal really affects the way that you conduct yourself mm. in life. And that mm. worked against her. Well, we, we, we really should have had enormous compassion for her, but back then it just wasn't the psychological aspect of going through that sort of trauma wasn't taken into account. What about the role of her husband, Craig, as well? Because he was sort of the instigator um, of the the original police investigation and he did it after he found her diary, which in a circumstantial way, you could you could potentially understand someone misreading her signs of uh, postnatal depression as pointing to something more sinister and involving her her children. He, he probably helped contribute very much to the, the view that she was guilty too, did he not? Well, I think um, you know, by this stage they were estranged and he was in another relationship mm. with another woman by then. Um, and the police definitely were pursuing Meadows Law, like um, three, the, the rule of three, one, one significant death is suspicious, sorry, is tragic, two is, is suspicious, three is murder. Police were pursuing that theory. And so police probably, you know, lent on him a little bit. I would like to know if that happened. And I'm pretty sure it'll all come out 
I'm sure there will be a Royal Commission as there was after Lindy Chamberlain into how the law could get it so wrong. Uh, I pretty, I'm pretty sure all this will be investigated. Why did police pursue a theory that had already been discredited in the UK in 2003? Jane, I'm interested in what pricked your interest in the case uh, because presumably you don't go and do a podcast and investigation and fire this case for such a long period of time thinking it's open and shut and it was all it was, she was guilty and, and there was nothing further to say about it. So what was it to you that stood out that needed and was worthy of further investigation and consideration? Well, I was always disturbed by the case back in back in 2003. It just didn't make sense to me. I mean, why would you keep having children? Why would you keep putting your body through a pregnancy just to suffocate them so you could go to the gym, which was the Crown's case. You know, this is the woman who loses her temper because she doesn't get to the gym and she can't sleep through the night. So she, she suffocates her children so she can, she can do that. It just didn't make sense. And at the same time, I was going through my own pregnancy losses. I lost two children. Uh, around the same time, um, one was a stillbirth, one at, at, at eight months of age, and her journaling, her her diary entries, sounded like mine. Like my, mm-hmm. I kept a, a journal at the time, and I blamed myself thoroughly because if you, you know, if you can't keep your own children alive, you feel like a failure as a mother. And so I recognised her her self loathing and her her guilt of her children dying. Um, I recognised that in my writing, and any, any bereaved parent mm. probably would. Um, so that's that's why I was really interested in it. Mm. Um, that's why I called the podcast Mother's Guilt, um, because it, to me it seemed like she was just expressing that parental guilt you feel when, you know, you've not managed to keep your children alive. Mm. Mm. Jane, with her having been in prison over the last 20 years, have you ever had a chance to meet her or talk, talk no, to her? No, no. I, I did make approaches, but... She was so concerned about how the law would... She she was just paranoid that something would go wrong. So I did make approaches, but she erred on the side of caution after, you know, her lawyers advising her not to speak. Wow, you're probably getting to meet her now, though. I've been sent a message, you know, thank you and hugs. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, yes, but, uh, you know, she's she's, um, signed a deal now with a media outlet and... um, yeah, I don't think there'll be any sort of... Yeah, in, in time, I will meet her. Yeah. Speak to her personally, yes. Do you, do you expect, uh, Jane, sorry, David, that, that what you, with what you know of her and, and following her and reading about her and, and seeing how this... Is, the next, is, it, is it obvious that the next step then is to go to court to get the conviction quashed? Uh, are people taking that as read correctly or incorrectly, do you think? I'm not sure how the, what the next step is. I think, you know, she's been pardoned... Um, yeah, I suppose with Lindy Chamberlain, that was hers. Was her conviction was eventually quashed, mm. and then that, that led the way to compensation. So I presume that's the way it's going to go. And how do you put a price on that compensation? Too twenty years. Gee. Well, how do you you know how do you ever make amends for that? Yeah, Metal life destroyed. Do you think Jane, based on everything you've you, you said, you know this raised some questions even in the first instance with you, the way it was prosecuted and the the way the investigation was conducted. What are the lessons out of this in future when it comes to investigating these sorts of incidents, these domestic sorts of incidents? Oh, I think there's big questions to be had of the judiciary, actually, and the police as to why they pursued the case in the first instance when the Meadows Law had already been discredited in 2003. And in fact, there was a pre-trial hearing that it shouldn't be mentioned. But that's exactly what they pursued. Mm. It, It just, to me, was lazy policing because they... You know, Craig Folbig actually did investigate uh, genetic causes 
Because what we know now after the human genome is if four children die in a family, and this does happen, they now do forensic pathology and they find that many of these families have a cardiac arrhythmia issue, as did Kathleen Colby, because that was the breakthrough, the science breakthrough, that they identified a gene on the CALM2 gene, which is linked to cardiac function, and the more plausible uh, explanation was that her children had cardiac arrhythmia issues, which are, you know, which do exist. Long QT syndrome, TCPT, these these mm. conditions do haunt families. Yeah. Well, it's good that you believed her because so many of us didn't. And, and without people like you, Jane, uh, pushing for um, a proper re-examination of this, um, she may well still be in jail. The podcast is Mother's Guilt, and as I said before, you can you can find it at mothersguilt.com.au. Jane Hanson, thank you so much for joining us this morning on 5AA. Thank you. Thank you. 12 Amazing minutes to know. Just an absolutely incredible story. Someone will make a film about it, you think? Yeah. Just extraordinary. Yeah. David Pemberthy and Will Goodings, 6 to 9, 5AA Breakfast.